I'm Jay. I'm Adrian. And together we are the, the Two Crazy Cat Ladies. <laughs> I'm gonna cut you. I think I just peed. Buckle up. We're back in the closet. One, two, three of Back in the Closet with the Two Crazy Cat Ladies. Guys, today's another oh awesome episode, but it's a real fun one because it's all about cat shit. We are so excited <laughs> to be joined by the one and the only, the legendary Dr. Odette Suter. I'm so excited that you're here today to talk about one of my favorite topics, and I believe it is one of yours as well. Is that correct? <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> we're all those in the podcast can't no. see this yeah 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 plus but, into the outfit you're the cat chick crazy and i'm saving uh, the world with shit you know <laughs> saving the world with shit i love it for uh for anyone new that may be joining us here today dr uh, Suter, will you please uh, share a little intro about um who you are and how you rock the shit out of this world <laughs> well i was born weird and i got weirder <laughs> <laughs> thank god <laughs> That's what I always say, and I had a feeling we were going to have a lot of fun today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm a holistic vet, but, you know, I, I'm also trying to lighten things up a little bit because this world is so serious and there's so much going on and we just need to kind of <laughs> have a little bit of fun. Um, but, of course, I take my work very seriously. But, um, yeah just tried to be a little lighter, but basically I'm working with animals to help restore their health from the foundation up. You know, I'm very much into looking at the foundation of things with animals because very oftentimes that's missed even in the holistic field. So I do call myself a truly holistic vet, whereas there are a lot of people who say they're holistically oriented and all they do is they just use natural things to, you know, as band-aids. So I don't do that. I go to the foundation and this is part of it <laughs> right yes deep dive. i love that we we called this you, you know this this live we made it about the microbiome uh mm -hmm. because it, i guess it just sounds a little more grown up i'm <laughs> well, I know, right <laughs> it is so uh important though it's uh really something that when we started learning about this it really kind of blows your mind when you realize that there's oh just about to fall off the <laughs> Seriously, our cat is throwing like shoes. Oh, that's your cat? He's throwing, <laughs> He's shoes, throwing at shoes at us. <laughs> Jack. Jack William. Uh, yeah, a little a little side note before we really dig into this, because uh, Dr. Suter um, stayed with us while we were a little bit late because there was a spider that we found in our uh, closet that needed rescuing. And then, of course, as soon as we go live, Jack awakens from his nap. He needs help getting down. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Jack awakens from his his slumber on the top shelf of the Jack. Jack, if you're gonna come down, now's the time. Um, on the top yeah. shelf and starts throwing shoes. Sorry about yeah. that section. So he's not a good um, spider chaser, huh? <laughs> he's oh, a little too late. Just if, a little too late. If he, he would have seen the spider, he he would have, I'm sure, because he is quite the hunter. Okay. Yes. He's not. He's gonna. He's gonna jump right under. Come, come on, baby. He's gonna jump. <laughs> There we go. Yeah, he just needed uh, the right surface to land on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he can't always... land on a head very well. Well, I guess he could, but 
that would not feel so good to you probably it wouldn't, it wouldn't. i don't i don't have the i don't have the shit protection on my hat no yeah. you, you need that i catch it crazy hat yeah really oh, <laughs> so let's talk about microbiome microbiome yes so what let's so do for, like the, the basics a okay. little bit for as an intro to people because this is a really one of those topics that kind of blows your mind when you realize its mm -hmm. significance how it works all that so if if you could give like a little basic overview of the microbiome and why it matters yeah, so the bi microbiome is basically just the, the whole accumulation of microbes that we have living in and around us, and cats included, of course. So there's a microbiome of the skin, there's a microbiome in the mouth, the eyes, the nose, the ears, gut, the lungs, the bladder, and in humans, also the brain. We actually also have microbes in the brain, whereas most other mammals don't, which I'm, I'm not sure that's probably all entirely true. Maybe they just haven't found them yet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but um, in any case, it's, it's viruses, bacteria, fungi, protozoa, paras other types of parasites. So there's a whole microbial flora that's living in and around us. And they basically also outnumber the body by a factor of 10. So or the body cells. So there are 10 times more microbes than there are cells. So, and from a genetic perspective, they outnumber the body by a factor of 150. Really? So who's running the show? Right. Right. Okay. Well then valid. So, so, so that would be why m m the microbiome is so important, but what do you, what's like, what do you do to help the microbiome? Can you help the microbiome? Or is, are we all just born with, you know, a predisposition when it comes to our cats and they only have like A, B or C microbiome or what do we need to diversify microbiome? Like, let's talk about like why, why it's important um, or, or how to make it better, I guess you'd say. Yeah. So it is very important to have a good microbiome because these microbes, they, are very metabolically active. So they make all sorts of biochemical um, compounds that are really important for the body to function properly. So they make um, serotonin, they make B vitamins, they make vitamin K, they make all sorts of things and they have a huge connection to the immune system. So for example, there are 200,000 microbes per immune cell. So they really work very closely with the immune system. They train the immune system to act appropriately and and not overreact to things or underreact to things so they they really are i mean they're basically again running the ship and they uh, code for 90 percent of all the metabolic processes um, and, and each animal really has a microbiome that's a little bit like a fingerprint so each microbiome is a little bit different depending on you know what they got from mom, what environment they're in, how they were treated, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So every animal has a little bit of a different microbiome, but definitely nowadays we have a lot more issues with diversity. You know, you mentioned diversity or um, just a minute ago, and we've lost about 50% of the diversity of the microbes on this planet in the last decades, which that's very scary because, you know, this is not just a joke, you know, <laughs> the microbes are going to save the world. What? I was going to say on the podcast, they can't see it. Uh, Dr. Cedar's shirt is a, it's a picture of poop that is oh. saying. Oh yeah. On the, the podcast. The I will save the world <laughs> says yeah. poop. Well, yeah. let's, let's talk about how does, how does microbiome and poop have anything to do with, with each other? 
Well, poop has a lot of microbes. So that's why, I mean, you know, we do fecal transplants. So we take poop from a donor dog who has really good microbes, and then we put it into the sick animal, basically. So that's how that connects, because there are a lot of microbes that come out through the um, through poop, basically. And then there's also a lot of um, biochemical compounds in it, probably, that have some anti-inflammatory properties, etc. So if you have a healthy dog, you also get all of these good chemicals, you know, biochemical, pro, uh, you know, compounds that the microbiome makes in, in that poop. And so, you know, it would kind of also explain why some animals will eat poop, maybe more so the dogs than cats. I don't know. Cats don't eat a lot of poop. I, I don't think at least I don't hear so much about that. Not, yeah, not usually not, not definitely not though in the, in the capacity that dogs um, mm -hmm. like to eat shit, but um <laughs> Yeah, but you guys jumped ahead because this whole like for anyone that's never heard what a fecal transplant is when you're like talking about taking poop and putting poop and that is crazy back up just a second though before we get into really what we all want to talk about <laughs> before we get to that point and I, I i'm excited for you to explain what a fecal transplant is restorative microbiome therapy all of that what are some of the things that we can do at home? You mentioned, you know, when we have kittens or puppies that come to us, they have a certain microbiome that comes from their mother. What are mm -hmm. some of the things that we can do before we get to the, to the big, the big shit um, that helps build that microbiome? Well, maybe we can back it up just a little bit more to even talk about what the microbiome also does and how it helps the body. Yes. Because I think that's important to understand, too, because people don't really want to do something about something if they don't know what it does. Right. So, Good. you know, there are a lot of studies that are are coming out about it. You know, the microbiome helps with intestinal maturation. So if you have a kitten and they don't have a good microbiome, then their gastrointestinal tract may not mature quite the way it's supposed to. And that can then cause issues down the road um, as far as, you know, how they can process food, whether they get IBD or not, you know, that sort of thing. So it helps with the maturation. And in that same process, you also have a lot of, again, the communication to the immune system in the gastrointestinal tract, because 80% or so of the immune system is in the GI tract. And so the microbes actually train that immune system to respond appropriately. Because if you have a, a cat that eats chicken, and the immune system is going to attack chicken, and that's not really ideal, right? right. So when when the intestinal, you know, mucosa and the immune system and everything in there matures as their little kittens, the, the microbiome basically trains the immune system to know what is healthy and what isn't healthy and what it should or shouldn't attack. Um, so that's a very important part, and that's why it's so important to make sure that the microbiome is good from the very beginning, because then they're much less likely to end up with, you know, food sensitivities and infl inflammation in the gut, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about it, it seems like this would be like the, the key to longevity is a healthy microbiome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Without that, it's not not so good. But the microbiome also helps with the inhibition of, of growth of pathogens like E. coli, salmonella, and other types of microbes that they can pick up uh, from the environment. Um, so it helps with that as well. It helps with the digestion of food because the microbes will break down some of the um, foods and then make compounds as a result that then are in, you know, absorbed through the gastrointestinal lining and into the system. 
Um, it also helps to regulate hormones. Uh, so the microbiome is very important for that. It also helps with the excretion of toxins, which is a big problem for cats as well, you know, because they're like, yes. <laughs> you know, licking everything. Exactly. And, and so the microbes, they will help to kind of pull out some of these toxins and get them, get them out. Yeah. It, um, it's so foundational. I mean, I love that you wanted to go back to really kind of like what the microbiome does to help people mm -hmm. understand why it's so important why it's so important because it is like Jason, it, it seems like it really is foundational for longevity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then it produces all these healing compounds, but from, you know, fr from a kitten perspective or puppy perspective, what I found really interesting is I, I read a study that was done on, on kids and they found that if they didn't have a microbiome that was appropriate early on in life, their brain actually never developed appropriately. On human really? children? Yeah, on human children. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And I think that's such an important study that was done because, you know, so many people, you know, kids, young animals have microbiome imbalance already. And so what they found is that the, it just changed the gene expression and the signaling pathways that are involved in learning and memory and motor control as well. So early brain development, basically. And if I, they didn't have that microbiome early on, at some point, they couldn't make up for it anymore. I think it was after about five or six years of age. If they didn't have a good microbiome by then, there was no making up for the lack of development. Oh, wow. Did that, did that study mm -hmm. suggest at all what might cause a child or, uh, you know, for, for us, like our, our kittens or our puppies, like to, to not have that um, microbiome? Did, did, it, did it say that maybe, you know, certain, um, certain kids with in a more like sterile like a, environment, what was right? The, is it because of a sterile environment, or is that we've it, lost fifty percent of the, or is, yeah, or is it, or, or is it, you know, a, a medications given to the mother, or you know, any idea? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of these things, you know, there's glyphosate everywhere in the environment. It's in the water. It's in the air. It's it's everywhere, basically, on the grass that they walk on, and glyphosate is an antibiotic, so it will kill microbes in the gut. Um, and then obviously we have all the dewormers that are given any of any other drugs, antibiotics in particular, uh, but steroids and non-steroidal anti-inflammatories can also cause issues with that. Um, and then of course, if mom already didn't have a good microbiome, then the kitten will not have a very good microbiome either because it gets, you know, inoculated through going through the birth, birth canal. And then also um, C-sections, for example, if they have a C-section, which I know that's a little more uncommon in cats, but in that case, they would actually get the microbiome from the surgeon's gloves and the environment rather than what they should be getting from mom. So C-sections will also affect that. Wow. And the diet, of course, you know, yeah. if, if you feed them a diet that it's not very healthy, then the microbiome will also not thrive all that well. And the microbiome will adjust to the diet. So if you have a, a cat that's feeding only kibble, uh, eating only kibble, then they will have a different microbiome than one another cat that's on a raw diet that's higher in protein and doesn't have any carbs in it. So it, it's very, it very much adjusts to what is needed. So it can also change on a dime. You know, you give 
one pill of antibiotics and that already changes the whole microbiome pot potentially, you know, so. Wow. Yeah. And well, and I, I know I've heard, um, and I guess this probably has something to do with it, but you always hear that, you know, if like kittens are taken from their mother too young and they're not weaned properly and or, mm -hmm. or they maybe never even got the chance and they're bottle fed and they're never got the chance to, to actually nurse from their mother that um, they end up being less healthy in the long run. Is that also all part of the microbiome? Yeah, probably to some degree, because I know that in, in women, they found that when the, when the baby nurses, depending on what the baby needs, the body's baby needs, the milk will be different. And it's kind of transmitted through the saliva somehow. And I don't know if, if it's the microbiome that kind of picks up on it. But in any case, if, if the kid needs more protein, then the milk will be higher in protein. And you, you can never mimic that with bottle feeding, obviously, because yeah, but isn't it amazing? I mean, when I first heard about that, I was blown away. I'm like, oh my God. So the saliva actually tells the, you know, the mammary gland what milk it needs to be making. I mean, that's just incredible. That is incredible. It's kind of spooky to realize that the stuff that lives in us is smarter than us. Yeah, <laughs> much smarter. I mean, we cannot make up for that. I mean, we humans, we think we're smart but the mess that we've created and you know we're learning you know right. we're like infants who are learning to walk and in the process we knock everything over you know so true That's kind of like the stage that we are as as a, you know as the human collective basically yeah um, civilization yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. let's talk a couple of basics what are some of your go-to's if you know that there is uh, a, a cat or a dog uh, that is mm -hmm. as a compromised microbiome that you can just tell like we really need to work on this what are some of your go-to's to help build that uh from from the outside perspective yeah yeah well, I mean, ideally, I would want to have them on a diet that is a little bit more appropriate, but with cats, that can take a year or two <laughs> to get there. <laughs> so uh, that's not as simple, but usually I start out with some testing just to see how off the microbiome is so that I know a little bit how to best address it because there are certain microbes that can be a bit overgrown and they may need a little bit of extra help. But I very is there is there a test? <laughs> I'm raising my hand. Um, is there is, is there is there a test that we can ask our vets for that, or is it like a specific thing? Like you you need to go to you or you know some a, a very specialty vet in order to um, in order to test for the microbiome. No, that's not. Uh, that's actually a test that you can order yourself from Animal Biome from the company Animal Biome. So they have that test. But I, I just li was listening to a podcast with Dr. Roman, and she just reminded me that it's actually good to work with the vet and asking the vet to order the test for you, because that way you're actually, as, as a cat, you know, guardian, you're basically taking the information to the vet, and then they become more educated as well if they never have dealt with that. So in the sense, you know, as, as a cat parent, it's good to talk to your vet, you know, especially if, if they are not so aware of, of these types of things so that they can learn. So I think it's a good thing to involve your vet in that. Obviously, if they say no, then you just go and do it yourself. But um, yeah. I think That's it's a great idea, awareness. 
Yeah, well, and especially when it comes to our kitties really involving our veterinarians and those, you know, when it does, when it is something that they may not um, be very fluent in, mm-hmm. how exciting to just say, hey, will you order this test for me? And then we can receive the results together and kind of learn uh, exactly. more about what's going on. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Kind of opens up the the horizon a little bit. Yeah. 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 So, but there are all sorts of other things that you can do. You know, you can give them enzymes. You can... Uh, something I like is called Ion Gut. It kind of tastes like water. It's something that helps with um, restoring the gut lining as well, because the gut lining is just one layer of cells. And oftentimes when there's inflammation in the gut and the microbial imbalance, then it kind of separates and then you have holes that go through instead of being really tightly connected. Um, and we call that leaky gut. Uh, so I like that. And it also helps to restore communication between microbes and in the whole body so that everything works together. Because I think a lot of what's, what we see in, in our animals health-wise uh, is that there's a lack of communication happening. So everybody kind of does a little bit of their own thing. And a lot of it is also due to, you know, Wi-Fi and, and those sorts of things, because those are electromagnetic uh, frequencies that we are exposed to and they you know they also mash with our own electromagnetic field and the electromagnetic field of microbes and so they can these things can interrupt the communication and you know how what happens when there's no communication all hell breaks loose right. <laughs> it's so it's true, so true. <laughs> so, yeah. everywhere yeah wow. exactly <laughs> so so there are some basics that we can do before we get into the big topic that we're all waiting to talk about today, which is poop. Um, there are some things that we can start doing to help build that uh, microbiome. And, and mm-hmm. do you always recommend it's a good idea to kind of just <laughs> test and see, you know, you mentioned that uh, mm-hmm. a cat's microbiome is kind of like its own fingerprint. I'm assuming there are baselines, though, that we can, you know, when you go to animal biome uh, for that test to kind of see, is mm-hmm. this on the healthy side or you know, what are we really looking for? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, they test some of the most important groups of microbes, and then they give you a number of where they are, you know, is there a huge imbalance, how to, you know, balance it out. But we have to remember, there are probably more than 500 different species and more than a 1000 subspecies of microbes. And we can't test for all of them yet. You know, we just, I mean, I guess we could, but micro, you know, animal biome is not doing that because that would cost a lot more money. You know, it requires different machines and lab equipment and, and so on, which um, would be more costly for sure. But it gives us a bit of an idea of where they are and, you know, whether there's a more moderate, mild or more severe imbalance going on. So then would you say that it's probably um, beneficial for us as cat parents to be a little bit more proactive, even if we haven't done any testing or, or we're, we're unable to do the testing right now by adding in the, the ion gut, by, by feeding a more species appropriate diet, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be a fresh food diet versus a, a versus a kibble or processed food diet. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's, do you think it's best uh, to just be more proactive to, to ensure that, that, that we're at least feeding the microbiome um, in a in a good way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's always the foundation, and that's usually where I start is trying to get them to a better diet and and help some of the repair. Because if you have a gut that's really inflamed, then you're putting a whole new microbiome in there. It's it's a bit of a hostile environment, 
you know, so I'm already trying to get the environment to be a little bit more inviting. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like, you know, getting into like a hoarding situation yeah. <laughs> where you can't move around and you're putting, you're trying to add new furniture to that. It's not going to really work so well. So I, I like that. I that's like that great, analogy. It's yeah. a great analogy, though, but I think that that's one that really probably resonates with a lot of us cat people because it's like we, we recognize that something is wrong. You know, sometimes it is something like IBD or mm-hmm. we realize they have leaky gut or whatever it may be. We see the symptom of it and we think, oh, we got to we got to throw all this good shit at it. And mm-hmm. then we're dealing with diarrhea or vomiting or something like that because we have not uh, kind of built a more hospitable environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and one that. of the one of the like most common things that we see in the cat world is the cats being fed the exact same food in every single meal, every single day of their entire life where they, you know, my cat only likes chicken. My cat only likes fish. And mm-hmm. so and they, you know, they found this one kibble that their cats will eat and they continue to buy the same kibble over and over and arc, and the cats are eating the same meal over and over and over again. What does that do to the microbiome? Well, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, food actually feeds the microbiome. So depending on who you're feeding in there, you're going to have that kind of microbiome. So if you're feeding more of the bacteria that or microbes in general that thrive on sugars and carbs, then you'll have a microbiome that is more geared towards, you know, towards processing that. Um, and if you're not feeding, I mean, if you're not feeding the microbiome the way it should, it's also not going to be all that great. You know, yeah. Well, I've heard of studies of uh, in which the um, they've they've done the testing on the microbiome of um, say a dog or a cat, and they've seen you know the difference between one that's fed kibble and one that's fed um, raw food, and then they've uh, and then they they talked about seeing the the raw food the 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 cats that were fed the same raw food the same you know type of proteins over and over, and then one that was fed a different type of protein, all, you know, different, different proteins, not just the chicken or the rabbit say, or something like that, just the one, but then the, the, the diversity in the diet changed the diversity in the microbiome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, if you're always eating the same thing, I mean, you only need those back microbes to process that. But if you get a little bit more variety of foods, then you'll need different kinds as well to, you know, to help with the processing. And does, and would you, I mean, can we judge and say one is healthier than the other or does it, or does it matter if we're, if the cats are just fed the same thing and the body's able to process it because that's what the microbiome is trained. You mean like better as in the diet, one right. the diet better? Right. Well, I mean, I always tell people that the, the closer you can feed them to what they would eat in the wild, and what their physiology dictates, the healthier they can be. You know, I mean, if you can have a cat who goes out and hunts chipmunks and mice and and such, then you're going to have a healthier cat. Plus, they're outside. They're getting a lot of microbes as well, because that's one way that they get their microbes is, is through laying around in the dirt and digging around. You know, they go and scratch around in the dirt and pee and poop in it and then cover it back up. So then you have all these the dirt on the paws with the microbes that they found in the soil. And, and those also contribute to the microbiome that way. So that's why it's so good for them to also be outside and, and get some of that. 
that's a really good point because I've heard also a whole lot about soil just in general and how soil that there I think there are like soil supplements now where you like can literally feed your cat soil like eat dirt um and and they say that that's you know uh, like a, a good for the microbiome yeah yeah and the more diversity you can find so I know that there are some people that take their cats on hikes and go different places go camping or whatever they do I mean, that's amazing because they go to different places and so they get exposed to so many different microbes. Whereas if you just have them in your house and you keep your house really sterile and disinfect everything, you're not going to have a lot of microbes. And yeah. And the house didn't need to be this clean. <laughs> what, how clean? We just, we just like let a spider out. How that's clean is true. that house? That is true. <laughs> um, I have to say that amazing Dr. Margaret Roman was really my real introduction into restorative mm -hmm. microbiome therapy um, or microbiome restorative therapy. AKA fecal transplants. Fecal transplants. So yeah. let's deep dive. And I, I, I think there's something going wrong with our comments today. There's, I'm not sure if you can see them. There's something weird about um, our comments. I didn't look. But there there are a few here, but I, I just have to say, one of one of uh, our dear people, Marilyn, is here, and she said, "Oh my God, I just noticed she's wearing a poop hat." <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> yes, uh, Trisha said, "Dr. Odette in her poop emoji hat." I'm a huge fan. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about poop, fecal transplants, uh, restorative microbiome therapy. How does that work? How does that work? And when is it when is it a really valuable option for us? Yeah, yeah. And I want to give a little shout out to Michelle, too. <laughs> she is always there. Anyway, sorry, can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> so I think I already forgot. Base, let's let's talk. Let's talk uh, plain English poop transplants. We you mentioned it earlier. We kind of backed up a little bit to get back understand a little bit more about the microbiome. Is this a surgical procedure? How does it work? Why would you do it? And but we're taking poop from one animal, a donor animal. I want you to kind of explain mm -hmm. what, what a donor is animal is to be a donor animal, and we are putting that poop in another animal. Yes, and right. That, and that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. So, can you explain um, how uh, that works? Uh, yeah what it is really and and why it can be really valuable a really valuable option yeah so if, with a fecal transplant when we start with a donor we want to have a donor who has a really healthy microbiome has never been sick lives in an environment that promotes healthy microbiome um you know lives outside can go in and out eats whatever <laughs> they can find lizards <laughs> um, and then also is minimally vaccinated etc because we want to obviously have the least amount of chemicals and things that can cause inflammation in the body so that would be a, a good donor and the donor that I use is uh, Marco Roman's cat because he's an in on indoor outdoor you know he goes in and out although he she has to lock him up when she wants poop and he hates that because he much rather go outside to poop but you know if you want to find it it has to be delivered in like a you know litter box um but anyway so um that would be the donor do uh, donor cat and obviously they also have to be lean and you know not be overweight etc because in, in humans there was a, a one woman who got a fecal transplant from her daughter because her microbiome was so off but her daughter was actually overweight and she ended up gaining a lot of weight and couldn't get rid of it 
because wow. of it. So it's very important that the donor dog is a really um, healthy, healthy, or the owner cat is a really healthy cat. Wait, are you saying though that if I got poop from a super skinny person, uh, you might be skinny? Well, you are skinny, <laughs> so I don't know what the problem is there. But yeah, <laughs> they've done they've done they've done studies with with rats, um, and and if I remember correctly, they took twins, like human twins. One twin was um, overweight, and the other one wasn't, and those were like, you know, identical twins. And so they took poop from the overweight twin and put it into a rat or a mouse. And then they took the poop from a, from the skinny twin and put it in another mouse or rat. And then uh, they could actually see that the, the one that got the poop from the heavier um, twin started to get heavier as well. And the other one stayed skinny. And then what they did, they took the poop from the overweight rat and put it into the skinny one and then and vice versa and then it reversed oh wow yeah okay so it's it's like it's almost like cloning like you want something you want like say we want uh i want my cat to, to lose weight i mean oh i want my God. cat to lose weight we could uh, potentially take the take the uh poop from a healthy, dr margo roman's from dr margo margo roman's Kitty Trooper or Trapper? Is that his? Trapper. Trapper. Yeah. Um, oh, you know Trapper, huh? Yeah, well, oh, yeah. yeah. She told We're us. We're a big fan of him and yes. his poop. So, so we take the we take the poop from Trapper. We put it into our overweight kitty, and potentially our overweight kitty could actually lose weight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd still have to adjust lifestyle and everything. Right. Um, you know, if there's a lifestyle style issue, you right. know, like they're not moving enough, or they have pain and are not moving enough because of that, or you know, things right. like that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, this is fascinating. Okay, mm -hmm. so so we're we're taking poop from a healthy donor that has a, a, a very diverse microbiome. We are mm -hmm. putting that into and here's a question. Is this is this how do you is put it, it into them? Yeah, well yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> so <that's>, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's two ways of doing that. Uh one is rectally with a little tube that you put up their butt. And then you can also do it orally with fecal capsules. So Animal Biome has fecal capsules, freeze-dried. They're pretty small. So you just, you know, pop them in their mouth and down the hatch. Uh, but I know that with cats, that can be a challenge <laughs> because some of them are like, yeah, you're not touching my mouth. Um, don't come near me. Uh, and then the other one would be to do it rectally, but that can be a bit challenging too. But most cats will allow it. Um, in the beginning, I used to do ozone therapy with the cats as well. So I would do rectal ozone first and then do the fecal transplant. But I had too many cats where it just came right, shooting right back out. And so I stopped doing the ozone because that stimulates them to go to the bathroom. And cats, when they're at the clinic, they, they're not very inclined to go on a, you know, pad or, a, or in a litter box because they're stressed out. So they don't really want to poop and so then if you add more it just kind of then comes squirting back out and well that's, that's, that's great. a good point I, I mean you know you're kind of missing the, <laughs> the yes. from that and it's messy and then you have to wash them and you know that's more stress for the cat so yeah. I, I don't usually do the ozone anymore I just put the fecal matter in directly and and I try to make it as concentrated as possible so that I'm putting in you know very little fluid because we mix it up with um with saline 
basically. So that's what we do. I mean, we add a little bit of saline to the poop and then we put it through a strainer and then just have the, some brown liquid with a lot of microbes in it. And so I tried to keep that quite concentrated so that it doesn't trigger the reflex of having to go basically. And then I also have whoever is helping me kind of keep the butt in the air for a while. Let gravity um, help. Keep the butt in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that they can't even go there. But sometimes it will still leak out a little bit. I, I find it a little bit more challenging with cats. Yeah. Yeah, everything's a little more challenging with cats. They everybody thinks that they're like the easy pet, but mm -hmm. not at all. They're actually not the, not the easy pets. Um, no, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> in, in your experience, what have you have you seen the the fecal transplants actually reverse any type of disease or illness in in animals? Yeah, I mean the the biggest difference that I see is really when they have diarrhea. Um, or, you know, like inflammatory bowel disease type of thing. If they have active diarrhea, doing a rectal transplant is not going to work because it's, it, it is going to come shooting back out, no matter if it's a cat or a dog, uh, because they, if they have active diarrhea, it's, it's better to just do it orally. Um, but yeah, usually that's where I see the most change. But just because you don't see a change if you give it to an animal with other types of issues doesn't mean it's not doing something because you know, it's, it's basically running the entire show. So you may not necessarily see a big difference, but maybe your cat or dog will live a couple extra years that it wouldn't have otherwise, but we'll never know because there's no sliding door thing. I wish, I wish we had that, you know, where we could try one thing and see what happens and then try another thing, see what happens and then, you know, pick the one that we, we like better. Yeah, that would be nice. Have yeah. you noticed a difference that you were talking about? You know, there's the, the rectal application and then there's the oral application. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the, the body, a rectal application is really just going into their intestines, where the oral application is going through their digestive system. Have you seen a, a difference in the efficacy or the, the, the results of one versus the one other? Versus the other? It, it, yeah. is, is there one that's more effective, in your opinion? Again, it's it's really hard to tell. I found, you know, I have found that both are effective, but whether one is more effective for one animal than the other, that's hard to tell because, again, you can't go back to try it again. Um, but it, it really depends a little bit on the situation. I mean, I've also seen cats who throw up the capsules, which, you know. Because it's poop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My sister's cat is one of those, you know, he kind of throws them up. So it's like you're putting some expensive stuff in there and he just pops it back out. And he wouldn't let me do a, a rectal transplant unless he was sedated. I mean, there's no way. I mean, he won't even let me do chiropractic work on him. Oh, wow. He's, he's that a bit of a challenging case. Um, but basically, when you when you do the capsules, they are the capsules are acid coated in meaning that they don't get dissolved in the stomach by the stomach acid, which is important because you want the microbes to actually get into the small intestine. So with that acid coating, they dissolve in the small intestine. But when you do it rectally, obviously it goes more into the colon, so it doesn't go all the way up into the small intestine. And how exactly you know that works and why it works, we don't really quite know because we want the microbes more so in the small intestine, you know, because that's where more of the inflammation inflammation usually is. Although some, you know, cats will have more of like a colon, you know, inflammation in the colon, like a colitis. 
but I think it's also because there are, aside from the microbes, there are a lot of good compounds that are anti-inflammatory and healing that are, you know, in the poop that also get into um, the animal. Because even if you get poop, you know, you really get more of the microbes that are in the large intestine because that's where the poop just came from. But there's got to be a lot more. And that's what makes it really different than probiotics, for example, because I know somebody asks here about probiotics. Um, you know, if the microbiome is the same as probiotics, it's definitely not because the probiotics have maybe five to 20 strains if you're lucky, usually less than that even. And the microbiome itself is made out of 500 to 1,000 and more strains of, of microbes. So you can never mimic that. But not only that, the microbiome, you know, when you use poop, it also comes with all of these good biochemical compounds that are not found in the probiotic. So right. probiotic can never come even close. And that's why I don't really use probiotics anymore because I've never really seen a whole lot of difference. And plus, if you have an imbalance of the microbiome and you happen to feed the wrong side of the imbalance with that probiotic that you're giving, they're actually going to get worse. Ah, and that's why some, for example, don't tolerate, you know, fermented foods like raw goat milk, like, you know, like fermented goat milk. They don't tolerate it or fermented other types of foods because it feeds the wrong side of the imbalance and it makes it worse while others thrive on it. You know, that's crazy, you know, because when it comes to probiotics, we are, we're fans of like alternating them, you know, because there's so few strains and mm -hmm. we have had uh, probiotics in the past Yeah, uh, that it seemed like it made our cats sick. And that makes so much sense. No, it wasn't mm -hmm. necessarily that it was bad. It was feeding the wrong part of the microbiome. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you never know until you try it because you can't know ahead of time. Right. So yeah. with with microbiome, <laughs> restorative microbiome therapy, when is it something that you recommend to your to your clients? When what are the circumstances of that? Well, anyone who's open to it, really, uh, yeah, so because it can help. It can help any animal, really, no matter what the problem is. And you know, one example. I mean, it's a dog example, but he was he came to me and they just wanted to be proactive. He didn't really have any health issues. But we put him on a bit more of an anti-inflammatory diet and, and we did a fecal transplant and lo and behold, he started to be more, less shy and, you know, you were able to pet his head again without him going like, oh God, don't touch me. <laughs> so there were little signs that changed just by, by fixing his microbiome, even though he didn't really have anything obvious going on. Wow. That's crazy because we talk a lot about, Dr. Katie Woodley was just talking about that, that gut-brain axis, the, mm -hmm. the communication that goes on. You talking about the fact that there, if, if the microbiome in a human child is not is not healthy by the time they're five or six, it's, they're, they're literally, their brain is literally not going to mm -hmm. fully develop. I, but also just that behavior aspect of realizing that this is something that can impact behavior. Yeah. 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 It can definitely impact behavior. Because, uh, also because you're just making them feel better. Right. Because with a good microbiome in their system, they just feel better. And as a result, their behavior will be different too. Because I mean, if, if I feel like crap, <laughs> I'm not going to be all that pleasant probably. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I might cho chop off somebody's head or something. Um, <laughs> so same for the animals. If they feel better, then they have more energy. They're more outgoing. You know, they, they just feel better. 
So I use it for every every condition because in our world right now, everybody has a microbiome that can use some support. And even if they already have a good microbiome, if you add another microbiome to it, you enhance uh, you know the, the diversity. So for example, I had a, a donor dog a few years back who had been healthy his whole life. I mean, his microbiome was exceptional. You know, I mean, the difference that I would see with, with his poop when I would implant, it was really amazing. But I did get some poop from Margot Roman's dogs as well that I then, you know, did the transplant on him to even increase his diversity. Uh, so I would recommend it for any animal. Plus, you know, again, we're so exposed to all these antimicrobial things that we all can benefit from it. Yeah. So we're all running out to get Trapper's poop, I think. Um, but <laughs> I, is that, is Dr. Morgan Roman, and it, man, this reminds me so much how much I, I want to go back and uh, look at that interview again, because I do remember her now saying about, I, I, I think it was a dog. I'm not sure if it was a cat or a dog, but how it really did the, the, um, the behaviors of her cat were shared with this other mm -hmm. cat we have yeah. Issues, something to that effect. But mm -hmm. uh, is she really the best source in your in your opinion? If we were to go to our veterinarian and say, "Hey, you know, we've tested the microbiome. We really think this could be something helpful." Or, "Hey, we would love to do this proactive procedure." Um, is it something that we need to do with our veterinarian? Is it something that we can we probably order by ourselves? We probably don't want to stick a stick a uh, tube up our cat's butts. No, I wouldn't. But I'm <laughs> wondering. But, <laughs> For, for those of us that are like, oh, we definitely want to do this, mm -hmm. what is the way to go about doing it? Yeah, what would you tell the just the average cat parent that's like lear learning about this for the very mm -hmm. first time? And they're like, wow, my cat has A, B, and C, and I really want them to be healthier and live longer. I would love to do this. How would you tell them to go about to go about doing this? Yeah, I mean, I would start with testing and then depending on your cat, you know, if, if you obviously know your cat. So if you think that rectally, you know, going to the vet and do it rectally would be easier than you having to put pills down there or, you know, capsules down their throat for like 30 days, once or twice a day, you know. Um, so it depends a little bit on the cat and how amenable they are to one or the other procedure. But yes. <laughs> I feel like I'm in school, like I'm the teacher. <laughs> We're raising it's our hands raising so we can hands. ask a question. You're so I, polite. <laughs> not always. I, so let me clarify this for me. So the fecal transplant done eh, through the bum is a one and done thing, whereas the oral applications are two capsules per day for 30, for 30 days. days. Yeah, I mean, it depends on how imbalanced their microbiome is. So with the capsules, it can be one or two a day. And then it also depends on how well they tolerate it. So some of them will also not tolerate it every day, which, you know, you kind of have to see how it goes. And then if you retest afterwards and they're still imbalanced, you may have to do more, you know. But generally, yeah, with a rectal transplant, we do it once and then we retest the microbiome. And then if we you know, depending on what it looks like, they may need some more help. Um, ideally, what I do is I give them some fecal, a fecal transplant, and then I send them home with capsules as well if it's really imbalanced. Um, so you do it both ways. Yes, because I, I don't know what happened, but about when I started doing fecal transplants, it was usually a one and done for my patients. 
you know, and at the time we didn't have tests uh, to run, but just based on what I would see, I'm like, oh, this is good. You know, I don't really need to do any more than that. But nowadays it's just not as, it doesn't work as well. And I, I don't think it, I think it's just that the bodies are just more inflamed, more damaged on some level, and it just doesn't, it doesn't have the same powerful effect as it did. I used to be much more excited about doing fecal transplants than I'm now, you know, because every time I would do them, I, I knew there was something really good was, was going to happen. And nowadays I have to repeat it and it's not quite as easy, which is kind of sad. How long have you been doing this? Um, probably close to, I don't know, seven, eight years or so. Really? I don't remember and exactly, but for a while. Do you think that might just that it's actually the environment that's changed with the in the past seven eight years so much so that maybe the donors are are less um, healthy if you will? Yeah, and the recipient also because it's also what the recipient does with it. Yeah, um, I I think that's part of it because I mean we see so many more animals that have IBD or are diagnosed with IBD. Yep. At least from what I. From what I see, it seems like it's getting worse and worse. And especially in the last couple of years or so with this whole, you know, pandemic and everything and people being at home, being more stressed out, a lot more things are changing on this planet. And that brings up a lot of stress for everybody. And the animals are definitely not healing nearly as well as they did with the same type of treatments. Yeah. So that's a good point wow isn't okay. that interesting just the the power of stress like how yeah. how just stress alone can change so much yeah i mean behaviors have changed in a lot of animals i mean we didn't used to have that many animals with behavior problems yeah i mean it's just crazy nowadays even puppies i mean i've been trying to find another puppy donor and i haven't found a, a puppy that's healthy enough that i would even want to test to be a donor wow Wow. Yeah. Um, so, so right now our options are kind of limited. Uh, if, 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 if kind of back to that question of the logistics of this, if we decided this is something that we want to do, what are our paths? Um, so animal biome. So we would want to test through animal biome. We would okay. likely want our, our veterinarian to do the procedure mm -hmm. probably because I don't know of anyone here that is excited about killing their cat twice a day. <laughs> Once or twice a day. Well, here's a question. Day. Are those capsules like capsules? Like, are they capsules that you could potentially open and put into no, food because or then put the, into it would, the dye in the, in the stomach acid? Oh, because the capsule itself the, is. Right. The, oh, yeah. Yeah, but they're pretty small. So they're really the small, really tiny little capsules. They're not huge. Oh, okay. So if you have a cat that will take a treat or something, you know, it, it certainly would be a possibility to kind of put it in like a you know, makeshift pill pocket type of thing. Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite catch it people, crazy catch it, catch it crazy people, Laura Lee is here. And she said, what an honor it would be to have a cat with such great poop that it was used for transplants. Pick up line at the bar. My cat's poop is so good. They use it for fecal transplants. <laughs> I would make that a t-shirt. <laughs> um, people come up with all kinds of crazy stuff when, when we talk about poop i don't know it's like this basic primal you know joking that comes out i mean you i, I can't remember all of the the things that i've heard but it's like 
it's the it's best. So good. It's the best. It's, it's so like much actually, fun. You know, it's like when you're a kid, you can't really talk about it, but now it's like we're total grownups and we feel like let's we're talk actually about shit. I know, right? I mean, when my niece was going through her, you know, talk about poop and all kinds of other disgusting things, I was right there with her. I'm like egging her on. <laughs> Like poop is amazing. Poop is so cool. Poop will save the world. Yes. I know. I, know. I, so, exactly. I can't believe we're basically out of time, but I, I know. I know. Um, so we would want to do the testing first. I just want to mm -hmm. help kind of give everyone a roadmap. If they, if there's something yeah. they can do. Animalbiome.com. Right. Mm -hmm. And then what? And then if, if you want to do it rectally, I would suggest that they get some fecal matter from Dr. Margot Roman. And that's something that the veterinarian would have to order. It, has, it gets shipped freeze, you know, on, on dry ice overnight. And then they would just make a slurry out of it and then uh, put it in. Uh, but Animal Biome will also sell their, you know, fecal material as a powder that can then be made into a slurry and, and can get in uh, rectally that way. Oh, cool. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's something that you would do at a vet. And one way that's relatively easier to do is, for example, if your cat is getting a dental or some other type of procedure to kind of add a fecal transplant at the end or while they're doing it, because that way it can get absorbed and it's done and you don't have to torture the cat. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, if you think about it, like if they're like a dental, like if they're going through yeah. a dental or something, mm -hmm. and we could do that all at the same time. It probably speeds the healing wow, too. Wow, wouldn't that be? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if they put them on antibiotics at the same time, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah, because then you're basically putting some expensive shit in there, and you're you're killing it. <laughs> How expensive is the shit? Um, well, I charge two ninety five to do a rectal transplant. So it depends a little bit on the vet. Everybody's a little bit different that way. Um, the, the capsules, they, I think 60 of them are like 225 or something like that from animal biome. Okay. So All right. That area. Yeah. That is. Can you imagine the size? People yeah, but donate I mean, if plasma. You, imagine if you could. <laughs> imagine if you could donate your shit. Um, I mean, there is, there are poop banks out there for humans. Oh, yeah. Thanks. This is, I feel like, all right, nice. we are, we are basically past time, but, but I feel like there's a follow-up interview coming here uh, that we, we, we just have to talk more about this. And um, We're I, think so we'll that, I think that's right. That's true. I think I, I think that too. <laughs> yes. 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 Okay. So for everyone that wants to uh, learn more about you, go get your amazing book. Uh, what is it? I, I'm ashamed to say we don't have this one in our library yet, but it is. Oh, I need to send you one. If you send me your, your address, I will send you a signed one. Oh, oh really? Wow. Oh, my God. We're very okay. That, I <laughs> will get that when we're done here. I, it's basically all the things your vet never told you. Or yeah, was, what your vet never told you. And then it has some added something to it that I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Secrets to something or other. <laughs> it, I'm so excited. I just read... Uh, about it basically and it definitely needs to be in our library so if people want to find you if they want to make an appointment with you if they want to get your book where do they find you um it's uh odettesuterdvm.com that's my website um, i'm not taking any new clients right now i'm work i'm doing more like programs kind of a little bit like what katie woodley does with you guys um so I'm, I'm, i have one of those going myself as well Wonderful. We're going to have oh, to learn it's... more about that as okay. well. That'll be on the follow-up cool. interview as And well. is the book available on Amazon? Is yeah, this... it's on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Yeah. 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 Perfect. Oh my thank god. You thank so you so much. much. Yeah. Thank you. It was fun. I had a good time. <laughs> you guys are so lively. You know. <laughs> I, yeah, this is this is a lot of fun and and so informative. And I think it's you know, this is a, this is a subject that we that we love to talk about, but we haven't talked about in so long. So I'm glad that, yeah. you know, we're, we're really grateful to, to be able to have an expert here to uh, to discuss it. And you've you, you've taught us so many new things that we didn't know about the microbiome, too. So thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. Um, and thank you all who joined us. Um, yeah. and we'll let you guys yeah. know when the follow-up comes. Yeah, we will. We will definitely <laughs> let you know. So happy, happy. What is today? today Wednesday, is Thursday. Friday Eve. Yeah, whatever day it is. Happy day. This was day. the shittiest podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, no, thank you everybody, and thanks for having me. It was a pleasure and honor. Oh, oh we likewise. love you. Thank Bye. you so much. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.